What's happening, everybody? This is the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presenting to you, catching up with myself, Dave Rosenbluth from Kicking Out at Two, and the architect of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, Kobe Nida. As we're going to be discussing with you uh, some things, you know, for the month of December that have been going on in the pro wrestling world, the current state of professional wrestling. Uh, and I couldn't do this without the architect himself, Kobe Nida. What's going on, bud? Hey, what's going on, Dave? Uh, happy holidays to you, and uh, happy holidays to everybody in the wrestling fandom universe, or whatever right. you want to call it. The Cosmo. Ho, Mazel Tov, Happy Kwanzaa, Three Kings Day, everything. Else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just about everything, yeah. Festivus, Festivus for the rest of us, for all you Seinfeld marks out there. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what's going on, man? Like, how's everything? We're gearing up towards the end of 2020, one of the most uh, traumatic yet uh, pivotal years of our lives, maybe? Yeah. I, I mean, 2020 worked everyone this year. It was... It, 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 it was... It, 2020 was not doing jobs for anybody, you know what I mean? In in any walks of life, whether it was sport, entertainment, politics, um, you know, you name it. Every walk of life did the job to 2020 this year. (laughs) They definitely um, took a beating. I want to steal a line. Yeah, I want to steal a line from uh, Jimmy Price, the uh, one of the OG co-hosts uh, for Retromania, and just say up, it's, ki- it's kind of like a butterfly suplex effect. Uh, butterfly everybody, suplex effect, okay. Yeah. Everybody, like uh, everybody got uh, affected by this one thing in the world, and uh, man, uh, wrestling has evolved so much in this year by itself, right? Yeah, I mean, wrestling has, t- you know, is it, forget about everything else, okay, right now, because obviously people listen to this, listen to it because it's a wrestling podcast, but um, wrestling has evolved in an uphill battle. They were forced to evolve because of the what COVID and the world has, has done to, you know, what COVID has done to the entire world in itself, you know what I mean? With, you know, the, the, the social distancing and wearing your masks and being cautious and aware of the virus, you know, regardless of what you think about the politics behind it, we're not getting into that. We already did a political episode about politics and wrestling. You can listen to that in the archives at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. That was actually our last episode of Catching Up, by the way, yes. uh, for the month of November. But um, regardless of of all of that, okay, the, the 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 genre that is professional wrestling, sports entertainment, for those of you that like to use that term as well, um, it was forced to evolve. It had its back up against the wall because of what took place. So, they the the industry itself was forced to condition the fans to try to acclimate to watching the presentation of pro wrestling without an audience, a live audience in attendance, and. They had to, you know, reinvent the wheel and kind of throw the rule book out the window in order to entertain us and in order to survive in, an, in a nutshell. Because if you think about it, like, without, the, without the, 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 the live fans in attendance, pro wrestling could may not have existed. It, you know, big television contracts, of course, paying these companies like mm-hmm. AEW and WWE, but like, you know, a smaller circuit like Ring of Honor, you know, that, that, that thrives off of live attendance. Um, you know, New Japan took a beating as well. Uh, the NWA was starting up last year. Um, Think about you know, how many independent promotions. Like, independent uh, like promotions, I, I'm yeah. close to a Maryland Championship Wrestling, and I, I'm not sure if they've run shows at all. 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many different wrestling outfits and circuits that um, have suffered and were f and, and were forced to kind of recreate their presentation in a COVID world. Okay, we'll Absolutely. call it the COVID era of professional <laughs> wrestling, if you will. Uh, there was the Attitude Era, there was the Ruthless Aggression Era, there was a PG Era, there was the Reality Era, and now we're in the COVID era of pro wrestling. And um, it, it's amazing to me as a fan, you know, because I've been a fan, I'm 37 years old, I've been a fan since I was four years old, okay, four, three or four years old, and, you know, never stopped watching wrestling, even when it was bad, even when it was the shits, I never walked away from it, um, and to see that the business is still able to thrive and evolve as a whole, I'm not talking about just WWE, but as a whole itself, it's just amazing to me in a COVID world, you know, and with technology and how, you know, Zoom has become a, a big part of pro wrestling where, you, you know, like, for instance, WWE and the Thunderdome, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, they they have like a, a Zoom type, you know, setting in their, their Thunderdome um, technology, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of fans, maybe even millions watching this you know and, and being a part of the presentation um that is you know raw and smackdown and even some of their pay-per-views it's made things a lot more interesting on their programming because before as we all know and we've talked about it on this show um the the early days of the pandemic were were it was, it was rough it was absolutely brutal yeah. to watch wwe program even even some of aew you know aew yeah. embraced the pandemic and they embraced the, the 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 lack of audience by creating their own for their shows and they did it you know just like that and i i, I commend them and i applaud them for that whereas wwe tried to give us a presentation you know without a live audience as if there was no covid you know going on in the world and it worked against them for a long period of time and so when they introduced this thunderdome and they really embraced it with the technology um it helped make their programming a little more tolerable to watch and there's been some bright spots in the entire world of wrestling when it comes to guys that have stepped up people that have had opportunities to you know to to really stand out um mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it's and it's and it's largely in part been because these companies have been forced to do that because of COVID, you know, oh, because yeah. of, of the world that we're in. So it's amazing, like I said, you know, to, to, to close out my statement here because I don't want to, you know, go on and on forever. But it's just amazing to me that the business, like you said, has evolved during this period of time um, where our world is in a, a, a gigantic amount of uncertainty heading into 2021 with COVID. Mm -hmm. And as you say, like it, like, I say it has evolved, but um, we talk about this a lot. Everything is cyclical, and it kind of goes back to the old days. It feels kind of like the territory days, in a way, um, uh -huh. because there's some type of isolation to uh, brands, but there's people that aren't being utilized or are being utilized in certain spaces because of this uh, COVID uh, situation that we're in. So yeah. people are only working in a certain territory or so, you know? Yeah. Um, but we, we are getting some things getting mixed up uh, as far as like interpromotional um, due to this because the lack of the roster and lack of travel, uh, you're going to work together with other people to innovate this uh, form of entertainment of wrestling. Um, 
and it's it's it certainly has been a wild ride for 2020 like you said and you have produced so much content for us in 2020 for the retromania pro wrestling podcast network i just want to thank you personally dave on the air and uh i appreciate know. it man yeah i i love doing it you know i I, lo- I love talking wrestling um if some of you are sick of it oh well but i love talking <laughs> i love talking wrestling it's a passion of mine um it's my mistress i i, I will say that it's been my lifelong mistress pro wrestling um, absolutely and you know being able to to have this platform to talk about it to be able to you know have these shows put on the network that you've helped build um you know i can't thank you enough for letting me be a small part of that i really do you know when you upload my shows and you know with my crazy schedule i'm not able to do it so you know you've 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 taken time out of your personal life to upload my shows to the stream and you know help me build my following i can't thank you enough for that um you know I, you know this isn't a, a glad handing um, yeah i was just know, gonna say no glad handing let's yeah. more or less thank the listeners because we've gotten oh, so many more yeah. listeners this year in 20 20. Oh, yeah, We've great. evolved, um, and we're we're about to be on our second or third year. Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, second year. Yeah, we're going on our second year um, in in the springtime, and hopefully by then, um, you know, our world and the wrestling world will be back to normal, um, or at least yeah. some some form of normalcy. Because you never know um, how this how this is all going to play out. Like I said, twenty twenty did no jobs, and twenty twenty one might be on that same path too. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, no, man. Thank all the listeners. You know, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to some of these podcasts. I've been looking at the numbers, and I've just been amazed at like how many people want to listen to me talk about wrestling and talk about certain events and and topics and things like that. You know, um, yeah, and you which, always create a great like content and a like a smorgasbord of like for the month of what's going on and like man I, I appreciate that so much because that's what we need for a retro uh retro pro wrestling podcast network um and you definitely deliver the goods there with kicking out it too um, i appreciate that man I yeah really do. what do you have going on this month as far as the stocking stuffer because i know we're like dropping so much content right now for this uh for this week of December and like the first week of December getting into the whole month to just keep you guys uh you know listening to us and thanking you guys uh you know for for being good listeners well, I'll be honest with you. I'm trying something a little different with my format when it comes to releasing shows. So, due to you know my personal schedule with my with my new job that I'm starting out and the schedule that that entails, and just something to just to try something different to test out to see you know what the listening patterns are from the listeners itself. I've decided instead of dropping a show every week, I'm dropping all of the shows of the month of December in like one big stocking stuffer binge with some holiday themed episodes for the month of December. So um, for instance, uh, you know, when it comes to pro wrestling and the holidays, you think of toys, you think of action figures. So I got a couple of action figure reviews. uh, Don't call them dolls. No, they're not dolls. They're not dolls. They are action figures. Um, (laughs) My, my wife calls them your 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 men. She'll be like, "Oh, one of your little men came in the mail." Um, you know, and, and it's funny the way she says it too, because it's like it's it's she's she's not being condescending about it. She's not being like an asshole about it. She'll just be like, "Oh, by the way, one of your little men you know showed up today." Um, she said that to me the other day, and then like. Um, for instance, I, I I pick up accessories for the action figures too. Right, so right. I there's a there's a there's a group on um, eBay called Wrestling Figure Workshop. They're located out of the UK and they reproduce. Um, 
custom like toy little action figure championship belts, okay. um, similar to the 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 Winged Eagle championship belt that used to come with the Hasbro mm-hmm. WWF Hasbro ring. Yeah. They created an Intercontinental one. They've created tag team ones. Yeah. So I picked up a couple of those belts to accessorize my my case in the studio, and she she opened it up. Or no, she didn't open up the package. I was opening up, and she looked, and she goes, "Oh, you got belts for your little men, you know." <laughs> she goes, "Which belt is that one?" And I said, "That's the Intercontinental Championship." She was just like, "Oh, okay." She goes, hey, "Wait a minute, don't you have that belt?" I was like, "Yeah, but this is a custom version of that belt. The other oh, belt was the God. original one from back in the '90s." She was like, "I can't keep up with you and your little men." So, this is this is the life of a. A true wrestling of, fan. Yeah, a true wrestling fan, an action figure collector. Like, seriously. Um, so, long story short, I do some action figure reviews. I have a, uh, the WCW Galoob line from the 90s, as well as the ECW Old San Francisco Toy Maker. I put, you know... Okay, real uh, quick. Did you yeah. ever get those... You know those, like, catalogs where they had, like, offbeat, like, wrestling, like, uh... uh stuff that went with the toys like you're talking about the belts they had like these like international heavyweight in like all like i remember buying like a package one time from like a pro wrestling illustrated like uh, advertisement and it was like belts for your toys but it was all these like international junior heavyweight championships i don't ever remember seeing those that's oh, crazy that you say that. I've never seen I'm going to have to look that up and post that on the feeds. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I remember I got like 14 belts, and they were just all these generic weird titles that looked weird. I'll have to find some That's crazy. and uh, post it. Yeah. That's crazy. I never even knew that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, one episode we cover the ECW Old San Francisco Toy Maker line as well as the um, the WCW Galoob line from the United States because there was a U.K. version as well. Um, I have, uh, you know, sets of those in, in one of my cases in the studio. So I'll give you a little action figure review about the actual figures itself, how I got them, um, how I recollected action figures, at, you know, just a few years ago. Uh, then as a two-part episode, I do a book review on the Hasbro Maniac Guide to WWF Hasbro book that I purchased from an action figure group on Facebook called The Era. His name is Ryan Souza. He's one of the admins. Um, I picked it up from him. Um, it was actually made by an individual named Danny Cage over in Germany, I want to say. He made this book, and it's really cool. It's like a f- over 50 pages, and it gives you the history of the Hasbro line. So I do it in two parts, um, and I cover like the same thing with my the, the episode before, the WCW and ECW action figure line. I, uh, I, I review every figure that I have and detail what's in the book and different stories that are about the book and things like that. Um, talking about when I had these figures, if I had some of the figures when I was a kid, some of the figures I have now that I didn't have, things like that. So that's two parts. We also do a holiday, two holiday episodes. Do a Hanukkah special with Dennis Levy where we, we talk about um, famous wrestlers that are Jewish and what gifts we would give them for Hanukkah um, in wrestling history. Exactly. And then we do a nice list. You and me, we, we tag teamed up and we did a oh, nice yeah. list. Which wrestlers in pro wrestling history would be on Santa Claus's nice list and why? We talk about um, different moments and instances in these individuals' careers that put them on Santa Claus's nice list. And then we close out the year 2020 on kicking out at two with our way of sending off this shitty year that was 2020. It's called FU 2020, where... I, I polled the listeners and um, people on social media, and I asked everybody. I said, 
If there is one wrestling pay-per-view that is the equivalent of the year of 2020, what would it be? And I had a bunch of different lists and choices, and Dennis Levy joined me to do this watch-along, and randomly he chose Starcade 1997 out of the hat. So we watched that on mm. WWE Network. So you can find all of those shows on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching Retromania with a W. Uh, you can find us on the SoundCloud stream, Apple Play, Google, or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, all those streaming platforms. You can find the entire month of December all up there, ready to rock and roll. Uh, like I said, trying something out new, trying to give you guys a little Netflix binge, if you will, but it, instead it's kicking out a two and chill. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that, that's what's going on with me in the month of December. You can also find those shows up on our social media, both Twitter and Facebook. Twitter, at Kicking Out 2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T in the number two, and search Kicking Out a 2 on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out a 2. You'll find all those shows up there as well, plus all kinds of the great stuff so um awesome. kobe thank you for allowing me to plug all my shit as usual um yeah. I, I greatly appreciate it and uh let's get this shindig on the road here if you will let's, let's do it let's, let's uh, talk about some collaborations other than ours of course yeah well one last collaboration one last okay. thank you before we do i know we're kind of getting into it but i mean we chopped it up at the at the first half of this you would um, think this is the wcw hotline and we're like me and gene oakland <laughs> just shilling the shit out of this thing but go um, ahead. um i i just want to thank the guys over at cool truth podcast um yes. ac white house and edwards uh thank you guys so much for the content that you have produced and the listeners that you have gathered um over to the algorithm of the retromania pro wrestling podcast network um thank you guys so much for the content and the reviews that you do of AEW Dynamite. Um, good stuff there, always. Yes, Definitely. yes. I haven't had a chance to listen to those guys in a while, um, but you know, I talked with AC recently, and you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we're going to do some collaboration soon to, to 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 put up on the network stream. But yeah, you guys do a great job, man, uh, and I'm glad that you guys are part of the team. It took a little while to get you on board, but you know, I appreciate you um, contributing to the team and, and putting out you know fresh content on a weekly basis. So uh, thank you guys very much. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, getting into the more collaborative uh, feel, segueing into there, let's talk about this collaborations uh, in wrestling that's going on. Uh, like, like let, the latest one, obviously, what's the hot topic right now is uh, Kenny Omega uh, becoming the AEW champion, defeating John Moxley at um, the December 3rd episode of... Uh, AEW Dynamite? Yeah, winter is coming. Winter yes. was here. Winter came and it was it was a cold cold ending to uh to uh AEW Dynamite with uh Omega leaving as the champion with Impact Wrestling's executive director Don Callis. So uh <laughs> you know, they, they 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 left us they left us hanging. Um you know, with uh at the end of that show as uh, Don Callis had announced that you will see the AEW heavyweight champion on Impact Wrestling's programming. Uh, by the time this drops, it will be before that airs, I believe. So um, I would hope it, you know, before it airs. But uh, if not, um, Omega will be on, um, or will have been on the uh, the, the Impact Wrestling show, um, the upcoming one after that uh, that, uh, that that interesting title finish. Yeah, uh, with Don Callis. Yeah, and it's which interesting. got everyone excited. It's 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 opened up a lot of uh, floodgates for conversations of what could happen with this interpromotional, um, quote unquote, 
uh, possibility between these two companies, AEW and Impact Wrestling, which uh, it's interesting enough that let's go back a little bit. Impact Wrestling kind of comes from TNA Wrestling, which is kind of the spawn of WCW's uh, off-brand, right? In a way, and I mean, it, it was it was the first major organization to 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 land, you know, to to make a. No, no, quote unquote, an impact on the wrestling business following <laughs> WCW being sold to the WWE in 2001. TNA originated in 2002. Um, did they acquire a lot of former WCW talent early on? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it was the first organization uh, to, um, to, to to try and give WWE a run for its money, if you will, um, following the, the sale of WCW. Yeah, and, and then rebranding. Yeah, rebranding. Yeah, I mean, you know, they. Um, it was. It was the, originally. It was the NWA TNA mm-hmm. um, promotion. Um, you know, the 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 National Wrestling Alliance kind of uh, piggybacked, and they kind. You know, they both kind of helped each other out in one way because TNA was just starting out. The National Wrestling Alliance had been pretty much obsolete. Uh, for a number of years, um, well into the, the the glory days of WCW in the '90s, the the, the mid to late '90s, so um, they, they they both were trying. You know, NWA was trying to make a comeback, and TNA was trying to make an impact, if you will, um, and 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 they both were really um, instrumental in uh, you know putting their their footprint on the wrestling industry early on. Yeah, and flash forward now, 2020, we have AEW with Impact Wrestling, and then we have NWA also being involved with AEW Wrestling. Yeah, it's Um, wild. It it is so wild right now. NWA is kind of, uh, uh, you know, they they lost their steam after having their their original show airing on YouTube with uh, Billy Corgan's taking over of the NWA brand. Um, and they introduced their Crockett Cup, which is interesting enough by having AEW stars involved later and, uh, you know, having guys that would eventually go to AEW uh, being involved with that NWA uh, pay-per-view last year. So this um, interpromotional idea was kind of, you know, set up in a way last year. But because of this COVID uh, situation, I think I think we've... We've we've nailed it down to yeah we need to make we need to break bread you know yeah I mean um, I don't know how far along this was um, this was planned I, I just read an interview recently with the Young Bucks that uh, they had been kind of you know dropping hints and you know putting the bug in Tony Khan's ear about collaborating with Impact Wrestling I know Tony Khan had said you know just recently in another interview that. Um, you know he's open to working with anyone, um, and giving exposure to newer talent and creating fresh matchups and just trying to um, add add a different presentation to the to, to professional wrestling in the entire landscape in and of itself. Um, with the NWA being involved, uh, Billy Corgan, you know, having a good relationship with Tony Khan and Billy Corgan, who had just really, you know, he bought the brand and he restarted the promotion and um, tried to. Um, kind of give us a throwback of what the NWA was about in a modern sense with mm-hmm. those NWA power shows. And then, the, like you said, the pandemic and COVID took place and that put a halt on things. 
and you know the NWA was losing steam. Uh, guys were you know talents were leaving because the contracts were, were out. They needed to go somewhere to work. AEW has been a place that's been open to some NWA talent we've seen uh, recently. Uh, they had well the as, women's NWA title being defended there. Yeah, multiple times the NWA Women's Championship has been defended, which has been a, a, a nice um, addition to AEW programming. It's also kind of kept the NWA name alive. Uh, recently, the NWA was going to be coming back to produce um, some studio shows. Well, what is that show that they have? Don't they have? Aren't they involved with the like? Wrestling Network or what? what yeah, is that? The, 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 I think it's the UWN. I want to say there's UWN United, Studios, like yeah, I mean, United it might be like United Network. Wrestling yeah. Network or something like that. Um, out of, based out of California, but recently California did a full statewide lockdown for the next couple of weeks, so um, they had to halt production. So that kind of set them back again. Um, I mean, it, it'll be. I'm not saying that the NWA is gonna you know burn in flames or anything like that because I mean Billy Corgan. He's, he said publicly this is a 20-year plan to rebuild the brand and make it prominent in wrestling again. So this just might be a little bit of a setback. But, um, yeah, they've been on AEW programming. And then now with the inclusion of Impact Wrestling and the crossover and the potential matchups we could see, um, it kind of puts a shot in the arm to wrestling that is very much needed, especially in the COVID era. Oh, absolutely. We've seen, like I said earlier, where we've seen, you know, so much uphill battles from these different promotions and how to present wrestling without an audience, a live audience, mm-hmm. uh, a true genuine audience, and not to knock what AEW did by having their talent around ringside and, you know, they've, they've managed to get, like, I think they're allowed a thousand fans in Daly's Place in Jacksonville based on social distancing and the state regulations from the CDC and things like that, so um, uh, you know, um, there's there's still, it's it's still not the same. It's it's getting better, and it's slowly getting better. And over time, I think you know eventually we'll get back to where you know wrestling needs to be. Or maybe because of COVID, it will never be this uh, as big as it was anymore. And this will be the new normal for professional wrestling. Who knows? But um, yeah, we're in a state of flux. Yeah. yeah, my point is is that. What we saw the other night with Omega and Don Callis and that little screw job finish they did, and them leaving and Callis teasing that you know Impact was going to have the AEW World Champion on there, or Kenny Omega, it really put a shot in the arm of the business. Got a lot of people talking. Got you know both rosters talking. A lot of fans. All these interpromotional matchups. Talking about dream matches. You know fantasy booking. I mean, it's definitely put some interest. You know on AEW because I'll be honest with you, and you and I've talked about it. You know, AEW has not been the, the the greatest product, okay? You know, they're still new. They're still trying things out. You know, the AEW diehards might lynch me for it and whatever. I really well, don't we're care. still trying to get used to some of the characters because we're yeah. used to episodic uh, storytelling. And, yeah. Uh, um, it's, just, it's just all over the place. There's times where it's all over the place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They still haven't found their footing. They haven't found their groove, in my opinion. They may, you know, that's just me as a fan. I, that's yeah. what I feel like. Some people may feel different. That's fine. But um, now that they've kind of added this, you know, this relationship with Impact wrestling it kind of you know brings a little more intrigue to what AEW's programming is going to look like but also it's going to take AEW's audience those you know those diehard hardcore AEW fans and put them over onto Impact Wrestling's program access so that's yeah. a question i wanted to segue into how does that work with TV now because i mean we we see that they're on different programs or access is you know hosting impact wrestling and tnt is doing 
AEW Dynamite, um, the home for them. So how does that work with, like, you're going to lose some viewers, possibly. I mean, um, are they not thinking about this uh, well, what do you in that direction? Viewers? Well, what if you lose, well, I guess you're not going to lose viewers because they're not on at the same night. But what, no, Impact's on Tuesdays and Dynamite's yeah. on Wednesdays. Well, I guess I, you're building an audience for both, but how does that work with the TV like advertising? Wouldn't they kind of be mad that you're driving viewers over to another station unless they're kind of like working together? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's apparent that both companies are working together. I mean, yes. you know, first and foremost, they wouldn't have, you know, AEW would not have Don Callis on TV on commentary in a featured role and acknowledge him as, you know, one of the high-ranking executives of Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't, they, not only wouldn't AEW allow this, but also TNT, the network, if this wasn't a working relationship, they would not have allowed Don Callis at the end of that program to say, you can find the AEW World Champion Kenny Omega Tuesday night on Impact Wrestling on Access TV at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They wouldn't have allowed that. So clearly, this is something that's been in the works for quite a while that the network is aware of, as well as both companies. Now, um, you know, Access, first and foremost, they are owned by Anthem Media, which also owns Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Anthem Media purchased Mark Cuban's majority share. Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, on you know the the, the billionaire on Shark Tank, um, the TV show. For those of you that that know what that is, um, Mark Cuban had majority ownership over Access TV. He was instrumental in bringing New Japan Pro Wrestling to Access TV for quite Absolutely. a while because he he wanted to get in the pro wrestling game. Um, and I don't know what happened there and, and why it didn't work out or why he walked away from it or whatever. But he sold his majority shares of the network to Anthem Media. So Anthem Media has a permanent home on Access Television because if you – or I'm sorry, Impact Wrestling does. Because if you guys follow you know, Impact Wrestling, their origins from TNA, you know, they're – and the only way that they've gotten any kind of exposure is because of a hardcore audience – and you know their loyalty to the brand every time they've bounced around. When they were NWA TNA, they didn't have a television network. They were producing weekly content on pay per view every Wednesday for ten dollars. Thank God for the black box. Yeah, you could buy a pay per view <laughs> me- uh, event two hours for ten dollars every week on pay per view, which is the equivalent of one three hour pay per view. You know, mm-hmm. forty bucks. You know, back then in two thousand and two. Now, when they when they started building their brand and their audience. They went to Fox Sports. They had a shit time slot Friday afternoon um, on Fox Sports, but they were on TV. The diehards went there. Went there. When their contract ran out with Fox Sports, there was a lull for like two months where they didn't have TV and they were producing internet content only on TNAWrestling.com. I don't know yep. if many people know that. Yep. Okay, and they Once were they, they were also working with New Japan and AAA yes. at the time. New Japan and AAA were a big part of the, the expansion of TNA, as well as even some of the uh, uh, early days of Ring of Honor. That's how yes. they were able to acquire guys like Samoa Joe. That was able, you know, Roderick Strong, Austin Aries. You know, the list goes on and on. Um, and then they eventually made it to Spike, and they had a, a successful run on Spike uh, for for a number of years. And then Spike dropped them because. They weren't producing the, the the numbers that Spike had wanted, and they went from there to Destination America, and then Destination America. They went to Pop TV, which would then become the Paramount Network, and then mm. 
Uh, there was, I think there was another channel. There was but one more. Of, it was like the pop-up. Uh, no, you you had the pop TV, but there yeah, was one pop more. TV. There was one more. It was like a fucking. It was like a channel that had like fishing shows on it or some shit. Like out. It was Destination like the America. Yeah, like outdoor. Yeah, they're on Destination America. But anyhow, yeah. then finally Anthem picks them up, and then Anthem buys Access TV, and now Impact Wrestling is in. I wouldn't say as many homes as they were on Spike, but they're in more homes than they were on Pop TV. They're in more homes than they were on Destination America. Um, so now they don't have to worry about a television home because that's what they kept like striving for is getting a television deal to air their programming. Otherwise, they would have ceased to exist. There would have been no revenue coming in. Yeah, so now for they, consistent they have this, content. Exactly. So now they have that. And then with this partnership... With AEW, which has a larger audience than them, okay? Even though they're a newer organization, a newer program, they have a larger audience than them. Now, partnering up and piggybacking off of the popularity that is AEW and mixing and matching, you're giving Impact Re- Impact Wrestling, to me, is winning at the end of the day in terms of exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, They could build a new audience with the AEW fans with these crossover matchups. And it's I th- me personally, I've said this before, I feel like if done right, if you have all the egos put aside and everyone Everyone's on the same page. A talent swap or you know a, a working relationship with wrestling organizations, it's a win for everybody. It's a win for the talent. It's a win for the organizations. It's a win for the fans. True, and, but this is also know, getting closer. What, what? Let me just, what if? Yeah, no, go for it. I've what been if, running my mouth all no, day, so no, go no, for no. it. What if, what if AEW, Tony Khan, they're, they're kind of vying to maybe purchase the library of Impact Wrestling in the history of TNA Wrestling? Can they do that? Like, Can they do that? I've heard a I heard a rumor a while ago that they tried doing that and Impact turned them down. Interesting, because it feels like the the need for that working relationship goes with lineage because of Sting being involved because of uh, a lot of the top players that are involved, uh, Kaz, uh, Christopher Daniels, um, a lot of these players that are involved with the upper echelon of AEW now. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, like I said, that was a rumor I heard that they tried to get the the library. They tried to purchase the library, um, and they were unsuccessful. I don't know how true that is. Like I said, rumor. I don't speak on facts. It's just rumor. Um, But I can see them licensing footage to use on their programming, similar to what WWE did on the network when they they, um, did, you know, pieces on AJ Styles and Kurt Angle and they used like old TNA footage. Mm-hmm. So I could see AEW doing that like you said with guys like Kaz and Daniels. Um, even the Young Bucks. They had a mm-hmm. run in TNA for a little mm-hmm. while, you know. Gallows had a had a, a, a you know a run in uh, in Impact, you know, if they were to use the Good Brothers on on AEW. So um, I could see them licensing footage and and having some sort of deal um with, with Impact in terms of that. Impact licensed their footage to WWE a number of years ago and have used it on the network. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's very possible that we could see that and how that could spawn. But, I mean, we're in the early stages of it. You know what I mean? I think this is one of those things where they're kind of going into this very carefully, okay, mm-hmm. because there's still a sense of old-school wrestling promoter kind of the way that they operate on both sides. Even though they're working together, they're keeping. I'm, I would imagine these guys are keeping it in the back of their mind that you know um, that that they they have to res, they have to protect their respective brands. Mm-hmm. 
and make sure that you know one brand doesn't look superior than the other because that's just the way the business is but like i said if you can get everybody on the same page you put egos aside you have a plan in motion everybody can win and you can make everybody into a big deal coming out of it so um when it comes to impact and AEW and even the NWA, you know, because pretty much right now they're an island unto themselves and their their brand is getting airtime, you know, on AEW. So um, and I their own little network, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, they're with their own. Yeah, their own. Like, they're streaming or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think it's I think it's a great thing for the business right now, given where we are in 2020, heading into 2021 with the uncertainty in in our world um, due to COVID. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And flashing back to like the beginning of 2020 and how we got into this situation and a more like the independent or uh, other uh, gaijin uh, territories of interpromotional wrestling uh, started off with a lot of tournaments. And we've been getting a lot of tournaments this year, and that's how we've been uh, uh, collaborating with other companies. Uh, you know, and that goes back to the Crockett Cup in a way. And the IWGP tournament in the original one, you know, with WWF guys and All Japan and New Japan, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, you can go back further to, you know, um, when the AWA in the 80s tried to collaborate with a number of different organizations for the Superclass shows. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you go back, you remember... um, you know, they worked with the NWA. They worked with IWA Puerto Rico. I believe they worked with Bill Bill Watts's Mid South uh, promotion. Um, a lot of those big shows took place in like stadium settings. So, for instance, the very first Super Clash um, took place. Um, I want to say it was uh, Kamitsky Park in uh, in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago, Illinois, Kamitsky Park, where the White Sox used to play. Yep. That stadium's no longer there. Um, but you saw, um, uh, you know, the. Um, IWA, uh, you know, you know, out of Puerto Rico, Mil Mascaris on that card. Um, you saw the NWA uh, with um, the, uh, the, the the World Six Man Tag Team titles with the Russians. Uh, you saw the, the World Class, Kerry Von Erich, representing World Class Championship Wrestling as the WCCW Heavyweight Champion, uh, taking on uh, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin for the Texas Heavyweight Championship, I should say. Um, Road Warriors and Freebirds. Um, Rick Flair and Magnum TA, and then the main event of that show was Rick Martel and Stan Hansen for the AWA World Heavyweight Title. So you go back to even then, um, and and the, the the collaborations. The difference between then and now, obviously, is that back then, those collaborations were done out of spite because they were all trying to run Vince McMahon out of business mm-hmm. because Vince had mm-hmm. taken the WWF and they had um, they had tried to um, they you know the, these companies had tried to put him out of business because Vince was you know expanding and really you know taking over the 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 scene in wrestling i don't know if you ever heard this story this is a great story but i've heard this on jim ross's podcast uh there was a story where jim ross was he was working for bill watts in mid-south and a couple of nwa promoters had called bill watts now mind you Watts and Mid-South were never a part of the National Wrestling Alliance. No. Uh, Watts had, yeah, they were never part of the National Wrestling Alliance. They used the NWA champion, but they never were associated with the alliance because Watts knew that, you know, he it just wasn't going to work. Um, but <laughs> there's a funny story where JR says that Watts got a phone call from a couple of NWA promoters and they asked him to fly out and meet him somewhere 
to go over like working together and collaborations and according to JR on his podcast um, JR went with him as kind of like I guess you could say a witness or backup so to speak because mm-hmm. Watts kind of had a feeling that like this wasn't going to go well um, so they go to the hotel and <laughs> Watts says I'm going to get together with these guys. JR says, all right, I'm going to go use the bathroom. So JR goes onto the commode, and then all of a sudden he hears all this noise into the bathroom, and he's in the stall taking a shit. There's a visual for you. <laughs> and... Goddamn, bro. All the, yeah, all these old school promoters from the NWA are talking to Watts about putting a hit out on Vince McMahon and banding together to take over wrestling. Oh, right, yeah. Okay, and Jim Ross, who is like the apprentice to Bill Watts, okay, he was an announcer for for Mid South for a long time. He's sitting on the toilet, and he had just finished his business, but he's not going to get up and leave because now he might be an accessory to murder. <laughs> so he puts his feet up in the commode, and all these guys are talking about how they're going to shoot Vince and what they should do. And Watts was kind of sitting there going along with it. So they go to lunch. They eat. JR pulls Watts aside and says, Not to, you know, get in your business here, but I was in the bathroom when I overheard what the hell, you know, was going on. And Watts just said to him, Oh, those guys are just bumping gums. Don't worry about them. They could they couldn't even they couldn't even figure out what to order for lunch. They they're not gonna do shit. No one's gonna no one's gonna hurt Vince. Everything's gonna be fine. But my point here is is that these collaborations have gone back decades and that one in particular that was out of spite that was right. done just to try and run somebody out right. and Watts Watts proved a point is that these promoters that were trying to get together to collaborate they couldn't figure out you know they couldn't you know put their egos aside and you know they were so worried about protecting their organization or protecting their territory that you know in a, in a sense like they didn't accomplish anything no. other than you know just a random one-off here and there with having this guy come in and, you know, this they want this guy to wrestle the champ, but he, this guy's not going to do a job because then it's going to hurt him and et cetera. So they end up doing some schmaz finish, and it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't equate to anything successful with the fan base. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Like, I think it goes back to even, like, kind of trailing back last year when uh, or the year before when New Japan, ROH, and AEW kind of had the crossover and NWA. As well, um, you know, throughout the whole year, they joined each other on pay-per-views, uh, kind of teaming up. And instead of in, not in spite, like you said, you're talking but about to, all in. Yes, before AEW was even formed. Yes, all in, okay. as well as the um, the crossover with the uh, NWA Crockett Cup, with having some of the AEW guys being presented on there. Um, before AEW was a thing. Yep. Um, I, I, I just really think, like you said, instead of in spite, they're doing this to present their form of wrestling. A, you know, the other, the alternative, you know? Um, yeah. And it, it, it is certainly, it has certainly stood out. Um, New Japan is definitely like, reached out as well um and in a small way because they're isolated to their california dojo this year so they have had people on mlw they have had people on the roh pure tournament 
Uh, I'm speaking of Finley. I'm speaking of um, uh, Rocky Romero. Um, you know, those certain guys right there. I mean, I know that they're American natives, but they're also signed to New Japan Pro Wrestling still. Yeah. Um, and guess who else is? John Moxley. John Moxley. Yes. Yep. So but he's got a, he's got a weird contract. Well, I would say weird contract, but basically because he is one of the top guys in AEW, um, AEW comes first. So he his if if the New Japan dates conflict with AEW, he's he's you know favored to work for AEW. Um, so and because of the way that you know the Bucks and Cody and all these guys, you know, and Omega especially. You know, the way that they had exited and parted with New Japan to form AEW, there's still some of that old school promoter bad blood. You know what I mean? I'm sure, but I I mean, I think in conversation with trying to work with people, you could possibly, you know, you know, cross that bridge. You could, but what I'm saying is, is that like right now, like as much as Tony Khan has said, oh, we're open to working with everyone. He's still using that kind of old school promoter mentality to protect mm-hmm. his brand and to protect his star in John Moxley. In that sense, you know, and I think that will change if and when New Japan wants to collaborate with them. Absolutely, and I don't think New Japan necessarily needs it right now because there's a lot of stuff going on as far as like Bullet Club and other factions building, and a lot of other guys from the undercard coming up. Um, speaking of show and Osprey specifically, um, just people coming up from the undercard that they've utilized over the year and that they've uh, realized because of this COVID area that the, these guys have come up. Like, uh, let's segue into that. Who are some people that have stood out to you this year that got an opportunity that y- you noticed this year in 2020? From from what from AEW? any any promotion from any promotion okay um damn, I know I'm it's putting, tough I'm putting I'm putting you I'm, on the spot yeah, I'm gonna speak put, up I'm gonna say okay, Kyle no, you, I'm gonna say Kyle O'Reilly yeah okay yeah he's de- yeah Kyle NXT's O'Reilly definitely Kyle O'Reilly yeah he's definitely got an opportunity to kind of stand out. He's in a group right now with undisputed era. Um, he's definitely one name that, you know, you wouldn't expect to, um, to, to, to stand out. You know, you know, who's a, a perfect example, not only of someone who's had an opportunity to stand out, but someone that's also re- reinvented himself and evolved, um, in this COVID era of wrestling is MVP in WWE. Oh, Absolutely. MVP, you know, came in. It was a one-off at Royal Rumble. He was scheduled to sign a contract to be a producer behind the scenes in WWE and kind of do a little bit of part-time performing. And then according to MVP on social media, he's strictly a performer now. He's become a mouthpiece for the Hurt Business, the group The Hurt Business. Um, They've kind of breathed some new life into Monday Night Raw. I'm not saying that they're, you know, a top-notch faction in wrestling history by any stretch of the imagination, but they've they've made strides to stand out on on WWE programming. MVP has, in a sense, um, taken Bobby Lashley, who was in a god-awful storyline with Rusev and Lana, and um, reinvented him and kind of portrayed him to the, the performer that I think most fans want to accept him as um this you know killer of 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 a of a of a wrestler so 
MVP, I definitely feel like, has really not only stepped up, but has been given the opportunity to stand out in this COVID era of wrestling. Like Kyle O'Reilly, too. Um, when it comes to AEW, um, I mean, everyone's get. I, I feel like everyone's getting an opportunity in AEW to really stand out. I don't see one particular person that, um, you know, is is coming out of the ashes of well, AEW. Is that, is that kind of a problem, though? I think the only one that I can speak of is is uh, Darby Allen. Um, you they, know, I was thinking about him too. He's yeah. he's been highlighted a lot this year, and he's been showcased, and especially yes, the uh, recent episode with Sting. And him having a face to face, I never really saw him as a Sting guy. But they're trying to match the character because he's the loner, quote unquote, and he does his yeah. own thing, which is which is cool. Yeah, that's that's great for his character. Um, but to have that face to face to kind of like sell it off at the end of the end of the year after this guy has had a great year against uh john moxley against cody rhodes um you know a, a, a slew of other names in AEW. I, I really think darby allen has stood out for them i do agree yes he has stood out i feel like that they've always had an opportunity and they've always had a plan for him um it just hadn't come together um, you know, to me, I, I could see why they're trying to go in the sting route with him. Like you said, the loner. He's in the. He's, in, he's hanging in the the rafters. He's got the face paint. He's he's got this brooding personality. Um, I see him as more of like the Jeff Hardy of TNA because he's the daredevil. <laughs> he does all this crazy shit. You know, um, he appeals to a younger audience. He you mean appeals stupid to that. shit? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. And Hardy still does stupid shit yeah. too. But no, I agree with you there. Um, you know, he does all this stupid, crazy shit with his, you know, the, the spots, and it's just, you know, he, he's 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 standing out, you know, he's and he's given that opportunity to. Um, but I feel like they've always had plans for him. It's just for whatever reason, it hasn't come together. Um, well, they're building characters throughout this year, and I think that they're building storylines, which has been a slow burn, and we've, we've been patient, some of us. Uh, I don't know. I'm here or there sometimes with AEW, but I think the diehards have been like, Oh, it's all coming to fruition now at the end of the year, you know, um, after yeah. we've seen a lot of things happening. Yeah, I mean, could it be, like, I, I don't know. I think this this working relationship with Impact Wrestling has the potential to really put them on a direct and focused track when it comes to their presentation. Because like I've said before, this the AEW has been kind of all over the place. You see some flashes of really good stuff where it's like the way that they... they, they they develop and build angles like it reminds me of when i used to watch wrestling and then there's other times where they like they kind of take like five steps back um mm -hmm. when it comes to presenting certain things um way too many guys in their roster i mean there's you know like i said we've talked about it before way too many tag teams they're overcrowding you know with with, with with the amount of guys they have in the roster, there's there's a whole show AEW Dark uh, on YouTube that was uh, essentially designed to be a show that was one hour on YouTube where they maybe showed three matches that were taped prior to and after the live AEW Dynamite. Which now it's a two hour show on YouTube that's like 16 matches. It's like a WrestleMania. Wow. Um, I mean, it's ridiculous, and I'm not exaggerating. I counted one night there was like 13 matches on 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 Dark. In two hours on YouTube. Granted, commercial free, but I was like, holy shit. But it's a lot of these enhancement guys, man. And it's like... It's like uh, they're... Uh, like I saw, I saw on Dynamite 
the the night prior, yeah, where they gave you the results for AEW Dark, and I thought that was for like the last couple weeks, but you're right, it was for the one night, and it was yeah. uh, it was guys that are also like Danny Limelight, who has been on New Japan, he's been on ROH, and now he's been on AEW, um, uh, you know, other other people like that um, that yeah. have like bounced around. But it's Matt Seidel getting uh, an enhancement match. You know, it's it's guys that they signed because they're friends with or the all elite quote unquote because they were they were big indie stars, and they're they're kind of like interesting matches that don't I don't know they don't really go with the flow of Dynamite, do they? It's just a it's just a jobber enhancement show, correct? For the most part, yeah. I mean. Yeah. You know, I, I have not watched a single episode of Dark. I think I watched one match on Dark when, you know, first debuted. It was like Omega against um, uh, Joey Janela, um, which was like, it followed, it was like a carryover rematch from the match they had on Dynamite the week prior or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's, it's like they're almost trying to create their own developmental system, like their own, you know training you know what i mean with these guys um with, with you know overloading this roster i think there was an interview that i had seen with cody where he had discussed you know how these guys are under contract um how they've signed so many talents um and the structure of those contracts it was a very interesting i, I don't remember exactly and i should i should have probably watched it before we we did this but um talking about how um you know, the, the, the guys that are on Dark, it's almost kind of like they get paid to be there, obviously. They get paid to work, mm-hmm. um, but it's not like a full-time contract per se. It's almost like a pay-per-appearance sort of thing, but they're allowed to do other things too at the same time. Um, but then there's the chance and the opportunity to be more full-time. The way that he it's, talks it's about it. It's more of like the territory days, but it's like the television yeah. days or the appearance yeah. days of streaming, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, it's like they're really trying to build a big house with, with AEW and, and have all these, these talents under contract. And to me, it just seems like, like for instance, this guy Hobbs, you know, that's on Taz's group, yeah. right? Powerhouse Hobbs. First of all, I no, hate the it's Willie. It's Willie. It's Willie. I thought it was Willie. Yeah, I, I, I don't like the powerhouse name because it just seems too hokey for me. Like he could, if you're gonna turn this guy into a badass, you can just call him Hobbs. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Hobbs from Team Taz. You know what I mean? But anyhow, that's just my little nitpick. But you know. I feel like they're just trying these things out on like a main level with their with their their core audience on on Wednesdays on Dynamite and then you know then they send these guys back down to to dark you know um, for whatever reason it's like their developmental show or something like that but um, you know they have a lot of talent in house um, that might even get the opportunity to work in Impact you know. Uh, and, and you know the the guys that you don't see on Dynamite every week, like you know Peter Avalon, um, uh, you know, and the and the uh, what's her name, Leva Bates, you know, the, mm-hmm. the the librarians, you know, um, or for instance Sean Spears, who's managed by Tully Blanchard. He spends a fair amount of time on Dark, so, you know, Scorpio Sky from SCU. He and, bounces back and forth. And like you're saying and, though, they they've built their way up though to come back to Dynamite a little bit as they work their way up. You know? Yeah, it's it's weird. Like you want like there's guys that like I'd want to see more regularly on Dynamite that they don't use. Like for instance, mm-hmm. 
Brian Pillman Jr., he's part of MLW, but he's been working in AEW because MLW had been shut down. And he had one of those unique contracts where before AEW even was a thing, he was allowed to work anywhere else but Mm -hmm. WWE. Mm -hmm. So he's been able to work in AEW, and he works a lot of dark. And he's a part of a tag team with, I think, like something... Griffin or Garrett Griff, Griffin or Gr- Gr- something, but they're yeah. They're, he's called. They're calling the him the blonde. blondes. The varsity yeah, blondes. Yeah, the varsity blondes. Yeah, and so now they're going to get a shot on AEW Dynamite, and they're going to take on FTR, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it, it, like I've said, I've said this before, and I, you know, I'm I'm a patient person. I think more wrestling is better for everyone as a wrestling fan. Yes. I still think AEW is in that developmental stage of where they want to be as a promotion, but I think that's going to further progress with this relationship with Impact. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for a lot of people on both sides, whether it comes you know, for Impact and their talent, whether it comes to AEW, when it comes to the, the, the developmental talent of AEW. I think there's a lot of opportunities, and there will be a lot of opportunities for these guys um, to give themselves more exposure, um, to be exposed to newer audiences, different audiences, and to, in a sense, be a big part of the change of the presentation of pro wrestling in this COVID era. And I think yeah. I think it's going to be really good stuff. But I want to talk a little bit about some other past collaborations that I think are kind of important to note. Um, for instance, in the early 90s, under the Jim Hurd era of WCW, the relationship they had with New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, mm-hmm. Jim, Jim Hurd gets a lot of flack for... Um, you know the, the 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 crazy ideas like the ding dongs and you know the the goddamn Candyman and you know <laughs> shit like that. Um, and then of course you know the the the, the most known narrative when it comes to Jim Hurd is um, the falling out that Ric Flair had and forcing Ric Flair to leave the company and Flair took the belt with him to the WWF in 1991 and you know but Hurd was partially responsible for that New Japan. Um, talent swap in 91 Correct. in 90 and 91 where you saw Vader come over from Japan and become a big name in the United States Sting going over to Japan and the Steiners and Muda. you saw great Muda you know mm-hmm. what I mean Jushin Liger like all these big names that had you know they were they were super beneficial to both sides I mean um when I yeah, was, as, and, I mean, as a before youngster, then, before then, like WWF collaborated with New Japan, and it wasn't so much of a crossover like that. Like you had like Tiger Mask come on, or like Owen Hart yep. go over there, yeah. like briefly, you know. Yep. They, but they weren't like showcased to where it was with WCW and Jim Hurd. He made it seem like, wow, this is international because it's World Championship Wrestling. Yeah, and that was the other thing. I'm glad you brought that up because that was the other thing, too, is that they made it... When I was younger, WWF to me was just the WWF. You Mm -hmm. saw the WWF guys. But when I watched WCW, it felt very worldly. Like, it felt very... um, like there was internet, there was more international flavor um, of pro wrestlers, and not just gimmicky, hokey pro wrestlers, but actual pro wrestlers, a part of WCW. You know what I mean? Like WCW was the place for me when I was a youngster in the early '90s, 
where you saw a lot of those Japanese wrestlers. Muda, Liger, you know what I mean? That was my first introduction to a Japanese pro wrestler, was mm-hmm. the great Muda. And mm-hmm. he was on WCW programming. And to me, I feel like Muda and Liger wouldn't have the careers they had if they didn't get that exposure in the United States. Because Absolutely. I don't, I don't think that the United States wrestling fans would have been going out of their way to find out who those two guys were in 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 Japanese pro wrestling uh, history. I really don't think they would have. I, I honestly, I think the exposure that they got in the states, working with guys like Sting, Brian Pillman, um, and the list goes on and on, that forced the diehard fans to then be like, you know what, let me go. The, the tape traders back in the day mm-hmm. to go out and find these tapes of these guys and these classic matches that they had. It's 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 truly amazing. Yeah, and you like you say, without the advent of cable or that exposure from WCW, uh, like having that connection with those guys, you don't know about those names. It's few and far between because if they were on WWF, guess what? They would be renamed something else, and you wouldn't like connect it with that superstar. You know? Yeah. It would be a totally different character and presentation as well. You know, and one other one other collaboration that I want to discuss with you briefly and get your thoughts on it as well. Um, and it's from the WWF. It was the collaboration that they had with ECW in the 90s, mm-hmm. um, which served a purpose. You know, some people look at it as, you know, I mean, it's, it's a very cool <coughs> moment that took place when you saw all those ECW guys in WWF programming. But look what it did for both sides. You had WWF, who at the time was getting hammered in the ratings every Monday night. The future was uncertain for them. WCW was kicking their tail every single week on Monday nights. And WWF had to, you know, pull the ace out of the hole and decide to work with ECW, help give ECW a little bit of shine, and have that ECW brand spotlighted on a larger scale with WWF programming, take some of the WWF guys that weren't really being used all that much, give Mm -hmm. them a place to work in ECW, guys like Al Snow, guys like Justin Credible, um, who eventually would rebrand themselves in ECW and then afford themselves the opportunity to come back at some point. And then you got ECW guys who had, you know, never left the bingo hall in Philadelphia and they're on Monday night on live television. Well, um, well, doesn't that kind of like, like it's cyclical, man. Doesn't that make you think of AEW right now? Um, it certainly does. Using, Absolutely. Using NWA talent, using ROH former talent, uh, guys that they worked with, uh, guys from the undercard of another company coming over, you know? Um, but you have bigger names. There's a lot more money. We're talking, yes, millions of dollars more uh, in presentation and uh, competition. But in a way, AEW is kind of doing that, aren't they? Um, oh, I agree. They are absolutely. It's. I, th- I feel like it's gonna. Like I said earlier, it's gonna benefit all sides. It's gonna yes. benefit AEW to to kind of have that shot in the. They're you know they're the bigger brand right now than than Impact, and Impact is you know building their audience and they still have their diehards, but now they get that exposure by being associated with AEW, and it gives the fans and the talent and both promotions the opportunity to benefit and come out of it better than they did going into it. And like it or not, there is a lot of diehard uh, Impact TNA wrestling fans. Um, And there is a lot of people that followed that product. 
Um, I know I did vaguely for a while, um, and then I did for like at least three years straight where they were good with their product, uh, where I like, I don't know, I loved the booking that was happening at the time and the people that they had. Um, AJ Styles is always a standout to me, but you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it, it's crazy what we're getting into right now with with all this uh, up in the air as far as the end of the year and what could possibly happen with the hopefulness of travel in 2021, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing, too, you know, um, that, that we didn't really mention when we were talking about this COVID era of pro wrestling. You know, travel's limited. Um, and if there's no, you know, especially if, if we if we get more shutdowns, if, if this virus, you know, continues to spread, even as we approach, you know, the, the early stages of the vaccine, um, that, that travel could be imp- impacted as well. And no pun intended. And we, you know, this may halt plans to... To, con- to further continue this um, this working relationship, if that's what's what it's going to be, mm-hmm. um, you know what I mean. So you have to you also have to take that into account as well that the travel will play a big factor into how much more these guys can do with each other. Yeah, this will be interesting, but uh, nonetheless, I am very excited. Uh, it's Bullet Club International. It's all these guys from back in the day uh, leading the cards right now. Um, in a way for the other promotions um, it's it's crazy um, let, me, let me rapid fire some stuff for you at the end of the year let's do some kind of like one and dones but I have something special for you a, a loaded stocking stuffer I want your okay. I want your reactions for these matches these are my 12 days of Christmas end of the year match of the year uh, candidates for me and okay. some you might have some you some you might have not heard, but uh, or seen. I'm sorry, because we're doing a podcast. I'm saying heard some matches you might have not seen, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. Let me know. Here we go. All right, man. Right off the Shoot. bat, Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor. Very good athletically. I I enjoyed the match. I was. Um, it was one of those matches that, despite it being very good, it would have benefited more having a live audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot. And I might and I might be saying that with a lot of the matches that you bring up, but yeah. that, that that's the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, uh, Walter versus Ilya Dragunov. Have you gotten the time to see that? I did. I did. That was a okay. fucking world beater, man. Um, that is that my match the of the year. That that that, and I don't blame you for putting that match uh, as as match of the year. That match um, was very hard hitting. I said this a while ago to my brother. Um, the first time I saw Dragonoff wrestle was a match he had with Cesaro at a, at a at a NXT UK takeover. I think I think it was the same. I think it was the same day as when they did All Out. Right, mm-hmm, remember mm-hmm, a couple, mm-hmm. it was like a year and a half ago, something like that. Yep. Um, I watched that show and I watched Cesaro wrestle Dragon off, and I was like, I just love the hard hitting style. I'm a big Cesaro guy, and I love that hard hitting style. And I was like, man, imagine this guy getting bounced around by Walter and just giving it back to him. I'm like, that would be cool. And when I saw it, I'm like, it lived up to the hype, and then some. It's it was it was one of the better matches I've seen, and this was that was a match that yes, it could have benefited of having a live audience there, but at the same time. 
they 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 still crushed it without without fans in attendance with the so. intimacy of it and it was like more of them like give me all you got um, yeah yeah like last year my match of the year was Walter versus Pete Dunn um, Walter again showco- showcasing why like he is the big man in wrestling and this guy should be utilized a lot but uh, he's he's young still. Um, he he, he also can, doesn't want to leave. He also doesn't want to wrestle full time in the states, and he doesn't want to do that. And I respect yeah. that. And I respect that. Um, but he's carving his own path, which is pretty cool. Which is very cool. Um, but yeah, and then trailing back, Kyle O'Reilly, Finn Balor, hard hitting match. Uh, those guys gave it all they got, and I mean the injuries coming out of it. You don't want to see that, but at the same time, it was strong style. But the Walter Ilya Dragunov, I don't think those guys were hurt. But they presented the strongest style I've seen of the year, and that goes for my match of the year. Um, moving on, Kyle O'Reilly versus Pete Dunne, the ladder match. Did you see that for the uh, the I did, stakes? and I did, and I'll be honest with you. As much as I like ladder matches, it's my favorite gimmick match. There were some cool spots. The one thing that ruined it for me, and I'm not, and I don't like to be this kind of fan. Okay. I really don't. In fact, I I have detested other wrestling fans for being this way and when it comes to nitpicking and letting one thing ruin the whole experience of you watching the match. But for me, this one thing ruined the whole experience for me watching this match and I can't help but but you know, talk about it briefly. There was a spot in the match where Pete Dunn, I think he hit O'Reilly with a forearm or O'Reilly jumped off the ladder and O'Reilly did that spot that fucking um he had to turn uh, around on the ladder to break the arm right no no no, no. he d- did that spot that ambrose used to do or moxley used to do when you get swung off the ropes and you go through the middle rope and uh-huh. you kind of like seesaw back and then you do the fucking clothesline yep you know what i'm talking about yes. Right, you like you, you get swung into the ropes and you you go in between the second rope and the top rope and you bounce. O'Reilly low. did that. Yeah. yeah, O'Reilly did that twice. He did it with in between the top rope and the second rope, and he clothesline done, and it looked good. And I was like, I hate that spot, but okay, it looked good. Then a few minutes later, he did it again, but this time he did it between the second rope and the bottom rope. And almost fell out of the ring, and it took him forever to get out to just do the clothesline. And I was like, "Jesus Christ, you did that spot already. It was fine the way it was. Why did you have to do that?" Like to me, it just ruined the whole experience. Yeah. The match itself was okay. Um, I felt like it, it, it could have used a little more time because it's a ladder match. Of course, um, it felt really rushed, but they were like a hundred miles an hour. And... Yeah, it was to me. It ruined that though. The O'Reilly, you know, fucking seesaw rope spot times two killed the whole experience for me. It really did. And I hate being like that as a fan because I, I have I've argued that with other fans who do that sort of thing, but I can't help myself. That that just to me was just like ugh, I, I was just shaking my head like, what the fuck, really? No, I understand. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, so, we'll yeah. get to it at the end of why I have more... NXT matches on the list than AEW matches because okay. that's part of my problem too is how fast paced AEW is with the no selling and there's potentials but man uh, yeah. alright all right, let me move on real quick alright Adam Cole versus uh, Tommaso Ciampa from NXT TakeOver Portland at the beginning of the year very good match um, I was kind of I was kind of I was slightly disappointed that they 
they had the finish with Gargano, and it led to Gargano and Ciampa, even though they were trying to go back full circle with their rivalry, as much as I like their rivalry. Um, I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Ciampa and Cole run it back again, mm-hmm. but this time with Ciampa as the heel and Cole as the babyface. Mm. Um, I think there's still some unfinished business left there. So, But the match itself and the build-up to it, I thought it was really good stuff. Hard-hitting stuff. To be perfectly honest with you, I'll go on record as saying this. I felt like Adam Cole's title reign could have lasted a little longer. I didn't like the fact that they gave the belt to Keith Lee and then only for Lee to drop it to Karrion Cross and then go to Monday Night Raw like a month later. And no, then right. Cross had to drop the belt because he got hurt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They Adam Cole just could have been a strong champion throughout this whole game and then and dropped saying, it to Balor maybe or yeah, some shit. It, you know? Or even Ciampa. You know, not yeah. saying that... It, to me, like not saying that Cole wasn't a strong champion because I feel like, in my opinion, he's the best NXT champion they've had in the brand's existence. In my opinion, mm-hmm. he really has. But um, I feel like Cole's reign could have... I don't know. I just felt like it was... It, they they had him drop the belt to give it to Keith Lee so that Keith Lee could fucking go to Monday Night Raw a month later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I don't think it benefited Lee... You know what I mean? I really don't. And then for Lee to drop the cross only to get hurt, and then they had to do it. Like it, NXT kind of lost some steam after that. I really think so. And and to put my fantasy Booker cap on for a minute here, when it comes to Ciampa and Cole running it back again, I wouldn't have mind seeing Cole keep the belt. And then once Ciampa was... Because Ciampa, you know, after he lost to Gargano, he kind of lost some steam. He did a quick job to, to carry and cross, which I was, like, shocked. And I, and I thought to myself, like, well, he's going to the main roster. And then I felt like they, to revive Ciampa, they could have ran it back with him and Cole because he had some unfinished business, and maybe he would have been the guy to dethrone Cole. Um, and then Ciampa could have another reign with the championship. But nonetheless... Um, I enjoyed that match. I really did. I wasn't too thrilled with the finish, but I understood why they did it. Um, and I hope to see them run it back again. Yeah, I, I would hope that too. But I also have to think like age is becoming a thing with the NXT guys. Like Chiampa is great, but he's also like older than a lot of the guys um, yes. on the main roster too of WWE, SmackDown, and Raw, um, including those guys. But he's mostly the veteran in the locker room uh, like him and Adam Cole have probably like worked the most or and Gargano you know the longest in there yeah um, and those guys running it back again would be great but I think Ciampa's role right now is putting other guys over like uh, Thatcher and Kushida like he's working with those guys and they're trying to put over Damian Priest which is kind of like a sad note to these guys like uh, Gargano Balor Adam Cole like you know, I feel like they might be stagnant in these roles as far as like just staying in NXT and helping other talent get over. But it these are incredible matches, incredible storylines because it's in a pocket and it's the all, like it's wrestling that I like. And I I watch NXT in a bubble. I don't look at it as like oh this guy's going next. Like I don't think of that until like I'm like the last second where people are actually talking about it. Um, all right, moving on. <clears throat> Balor versus Gargano from the same event. Um, to be honest with you, I don't remember it a whole lot. Okay. Um, I thought it was. I mean, I, I can't see them disappointing, and I know that. Um, I know that Balor had to win that match. 
because um, they were really mm-hmm. building. They were really building to him and yes. Walter. You could kind of see that collision course coming. So yep. he kind of had to win that match to get built up for Walter and Gargano. At the time, was that you know lovable underdog that could survive a loss. So, but I I said to myself the way that Gargano had lost to to Balor and the way that they kind of focused in on him at the end. I remember I was watching that show with my brother um, and my and my, my buddy Dennis, and I just said I have a feeling he's going to be a part of the finish with with Champa and Cole. Yeah. Um, based on the way that the camera focused in on him. Not saying I'm some expert fortune teller here, but I just kind of felt like there was some foreshadowing there. Um, when it came to the match, like I said, I don't remember it a whole lot, but I imagine it was good. It was really uh, good. Did. It was hard hitting. Those guys were like 100 miles an hour, man. Um, yeah. I, I suggest to go back and watch that. Um, there's a lot of hard hitting spots. The guys delivered their finishes, pseudo finishes. Um, there was a lot of counters. I, I don't know if they had worked together before or not, but man, um, it was one, good stuff. Yeah, it was really good stuff. All right, moving on. Royal Rumble 2020. I might be in the minority here, and it sounds like you're not. You might be with me on this, but uh, I like the match. I, I like the idea. I loved it. I loved the idea that Brock went into the match as the champion and came and said he was going to come in at number one and he was going to dominate and be the only guy to eliminate everybody in the Royal Rumble match. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the coolest fucking thing ever. And I remember I had a, I had a room full of people in the basement watching it with me. My wife watched it with me, and she was just like, this is bullshit. She was like, this is so boring that he's just throwing it. Up. I said, I said it's going to come. Someone's going to come in here and knock him off his perch. I was like, this is just part of the story. She's like, this is boring. Like, she just, she watches wrestling with me from yeah. time to time, but she don't, she don't get into it like I do. You know what I mean? So, she just thought, like, this is boring. Like, this isn't the Royal Rumble. Like... And just the the whole story of him and, you know, tossing everybody out to then eventually getting knocked off his knocked off his throne by McIntyre. It made for a cool moment. It made for, you know, that whole half hour of of guys coming in and getting bounced around by him worth it. You know, there was moments in there when you had like Keith Lee and Braun Strowman facing off with him. You know, like the giant moment. Yeah. Yeah, the big the big guy moment that they usually like to book in the Rumbles, where the two big guys who have never faced each other before they clear house and stand and off. It's just the two of them. They stand off. The crowd goes crazy. Then they're like, you know, JBL's like, oh, Michael, that's a lot of beef in the ring, you know, like fucking. And then you know they do all that. Michael shit. Like, Cole's I like, thought, I hope they don't come in my eye. Oh, <laughs> that's backstage. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um Anyhow, um, I thought the story leading up to that moment with Drew was cool. And to me, and I'm still a big proponent of this, I didn't feel, I mean, I feel like Drew had his moment there. If Drew got eliminated from the Royal Rumble, I would have been cool with that. And at least Drew, you would have, Brock would have, it would have been the impetus for Brock to be like, you know, I'm not waiting till I'm. I'm not waiting for you to challenge me for WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Like you can you can have a shot at this. You eliminated me from the Rumble. You you know you pissed me off. But they went the route with Drew not only eliminating Brock, but really putting him over by having him win the Rumble, and that really helped his progression. Um, and then of course the the, the return of Edge, Edge in yeah, the Royal Rumble exactly. match. You know those were the two big points of that match. Um, him coming back like that like kind of saved it for my wife. Like when she you know. When she sat there with me, she was like, oh, she goes, did 
you know he was coming back? And you caught my buddies and I were like, yeah, we kind of heard, but it really wasn't confirmed. I, I didn't know at all. And I, like, I was watching with friends at the house who were casual fans. And I was like, we'll just put it on. And they were like, oh, Royal Rumble. I remember Royal Rumble. And they were like, who's this? Who's that? And I was like naming everybody come out. And then you hear the music. And they were like, who's this? And I was like, Edge. And I was like, wait. And I did a double take. I was like, Edge. And that yeah. was it. It was like, I was like, what the fuck? But it was kind yeah, of I like, think you holy. texted me too. Yeah. I, I think you texted me too. And I'm like, hey, do you know about this? Did you hear about this? Yeah. But like, you know, they, there had been rumblings about it. And like, he even went on social media and said like, you know, it's not happening. I, you know, I'm not returning, etc. And um, just the story of him returning, like, you know, kind of going out in his own terms. I'm a big mark for guys being able to go out in their own terms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just am. You know, yeah. recently they, they did this final farewell for Undertaker, and I was kind of hoping that he would have one last match in front of a live audience. Um, mm, but, elite but, yeah, Scooby-Doo. Oh, Grandma, oh. I love you all. Oh, this yeah. is a special oh. cameo presentation. Yeah. yeah, which I'm getting a thousand dollars for oh, God. each. Yeah. yeah, but anyhow, um, I I'm glad that Edge was able to return, and you know, granted he's injured, and you know, yeah, he's expected to be coming back soon to resume the stuff with Randy Orton, like him, his involvement in the match, like that was like the other highlight of it. Like to me, I I felt like in the last few years that the Rumble has lacked, like, surprises and a very good story. And the story of Brock coming in... R.I.P. Pat Patterson. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute, I'm sure. Um, The the story of Brock coming in and dominating and and claiming he's going to win the Rumble by eliminating everyone, then Edge returning, and then Drew winning, those three big points of the Rumble, to me, were like... It really stood... It really... It really got me excited for WrestleMania season after that Royal Rumble mm-hmm. match. And then, of course, COVID spoiled that. But nonetheless, um, that's a fun match, and it's probably something I'm going to go back and watch yeah, it, before the upcoming Royal Rumble because it, it was felt a really like, good Rumble match. It really felt like the last good thing that we saw from this year as far as like before a presentation. COVID, right? Yes, as far as a yeah. presentation before like exactly. WWE. Like, man, that... like. Even, like, because I moved in to the new house with the casual fans, and they watched with me, friends that had watched it back in the day, but they were, like, all about it, and it felt like a Royal Rumble night, and then all of a sudden, boom, we're, like, you know, lights off, we're doing something different, you know? Yeah, it was was wild. Um, Okay, moving on. Uh, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn versus... Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish tag team championship match or tag team. Um, match. It was a fun match, but I I really didn't care for the pairing of Riddle and Dunn. Honestly. I, I yeah, it, it seemed like an odd pairing, but the I felt the, it was too forced. Yeah, the ring play as far as like what they could do hybrid wise, like Dunn doing the ground and pound, the uh, you know like technical stuff and riddle doing that as well but you know both in introducing the flying as well as o'reilly and fish you know um yeah it seems like a hybrid match that you want to see um and it was really good but it's not like my top on the card but it's definitely one of the best tag matches of the year for me well, bell to bell, yeah, like they delivered when it came to the in-ring action mm-hmm. and the, the the psychology of the match. Okay, it certainly did. I'm I'm, I'm not going to take that away from them. I just, for me personally, I felt like NXT 
and maybe it was even starting at that point, I would say, it was starting to cool off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the pairing of, of Riddle, who was like the big laid-back stoner jokester, and right. there was the serious Pete Dunne. I was like, I was like, this is a main roster kind of angle, you know, with the two odd couple pairing together. And their event. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And I was just like, you know, that it's kind of taken away the mystique of like Riddle and Dunne, respectively, you know? And especially them the way they came out, too. They were like riding like a four-wheeler or oh something. Oh my right? god, yeah. I was like what the fuck man like yeah they, yeah like a golf cart and you know they had the trophy and they were they were forced to team together to be a part of the dusty cup and you know all this other stuff and i was just like this sounds too much like like vince booked this shit you know yeah. and i was just not and like i said not taking away the content of the match bell to bell because i thought it was really good overall when i was watching it, it was like all right these guys are fucking they're, they're bringing it they're kicking ass but at the same time i was like man like just you know, Vince, just leave this shit alone, you know? And um, then when they won the belt, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is like the NXT version of Rock and Sock, you know? Like, in a way, or like the, the, the it's got to be the odd couple tag team pairing, you know? You can't right. just have two guys that, you know, you got to have them as an odd couple. You got to have them at odds or the, the having different, you know, characters and then coming together as one. Like, I'm so, that, that, that shit's been outdated for me since the 90s, yeah. you know? Yeah, since yeah. the early 2000s. Like, I'm, like, that was the basis of most of, WWE's tag team divisions over the years, if they even had one, you know, that there were guys that were just thrown together, you know, mm-hmm. as a tag team, and then they won the belts. Like, I just, I, I didn't really care for it. Uh, like, I, the match itself, okay. I thought was great, but the pairing, I thought I wasn't a fan of. So when COVID hit and they split them up, I was like, all right, cool. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to each their own. I'm, here we go. Eighth day of Christmas. Match of the year package. Omega versus Adam Page. At full gear. I did not see the match, but I heard it was a barn burner. Um, um, great match, man. Hard hitting. Yeah. The guys um, built up to both of their finishes. They sold either on the neck and, um, you know, like, they, they sold as far as, like, Omega being the guy to belittle Paige in the way of, like, he was the newer, like, the newer introduction into BTE, and he's kind of like the Young Bucks friend, Mm quote-unquote, you know? But the Young Bucks didn't want them out there, you know, like, all that. Like, there's, like, a history there to the match, um, which was nice. But Omega, like, you know, put on a great performance and put Paige over in a strong way. As far as like um, selling him as a top player for this year, which he's had a great a great um, year, but Omega has only had nine matches this year that we've seen televised. So, you know, like it goes to show, like guys used a lot, and then um, having that ability to showcase a character sporadically when needed and becoming a, a top star um, without, you know, oversaturating their their in-ring um, content, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you, I was never really a big fan of the pairing of once again, another odd the, couple the, tag team. Exactly. I don't, I don't like that at all. And it, it like, built that like the for a reason, yeah. Yeah, no, I know, and I get. I guess that they built that for a reason to kind of, um, you know, get to the point that they have with Omega. I, 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 I would believe, I would hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I also felt like now, like, the, the stuff they're doing with Adam Page and is he going to join Dark Order? Like, um, you know, I, I kind of felt like they've, in a sense, they've relegated him to that role when I feel like he probably deserves better because of his contributions to the team with Omega and their storyline and the, the friction that they had. Um, but, yeah, I didn't get a chance to see the match. I heard it was I heard it was a real good one. I'll probably go out of my way to watch that one. Um between the two of them because I was looking forward to how they were going to... Like, all right, I'll say this much, okay? I didn't even think they needed a tournament, okay, to, to, to do this. I really didn't. Because everybody, when you saw that they were building it around Cole, and, or I'm sorry, Paige and, and Omega, you, you knew it was going to get to the finals at that point. You might as well just said, we're going to do a, 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 a number one contenders match and these are going to be the two number one contenders and boom. There you have it. You know what I mean? Instead, they, they they dragged it out, which was very predictable to get to them too. But the match delivered from what I heard. So um, I, I guess the, the tournament was the right way to go after all. But I'll, I'll make sure I watch it. Yeah, and we, we talk about that too on recent episodes of anything that you and I have been on together is like the pace of AEW. is like we all knew where, we're, where it was going. And so Cool Truth said the same thing. It's like, we all just wanted it to get to this level and get there. And I know they tried to build a TV show and they're trying to build characters and everything. Um, so it, it, it's been a long time coming. Um, but definitely a, a standout match for the year for me. Um, moving on. Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole. Surprisingly, I was really excited about that match because of the way it was built up. It kind of had like a shoot element where how they booked it on, on McAfee's podcast with Cole, you know, slapping him or throwing the mic or whatever and, and then him storming off. Um, it got some buzz. Um, you know, I was a little concerned going into it that, okay, this isn't the kind of match that NXT would present. They usually present two pure pro wrestlers you know, this is a celebrity. This is a, 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 a football personality who mm-hmm. is a big wrestling fan um, with very limited experience in the ring. I was like, to me, I was just afraid that, like, wow, like they're really, like, they're really trying to make NXT what Raw and SmackDown are, okay? And, and WWE has been as a whole. You know, to me, NXT is a hybrid and it's something separate and it's something that's been special. Um, but when the match came, man. Surprise, surprise, McAfee killed it. Like, he really brought it, and he hung with Cole, and, you know, they made it believable, and I was impressed. And really I was, I'm impressed. I'm impressed at, you know, how far he's progressed with this group that they have, the brand, I guess they call themselves. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what else he's going to do. Um, he's a great mouthpiece. Do I want to see him in the ring full-time? No, probably not. But to me, he's like NXT's version of Shane McMahon. Like, he'll do all the crazy bumps and the high spots and shit, and he'll show his athletic ability. It's a good um, point. And then, he'll, and then he'll get heat on the mic. So, like, he's the NXT Shane McMahon. It's a really good point. He's better than Shane McMahon, matches. though. He can actually, like, carry the mic rather than Shane McMahon going, Yeah, that's it! That's it! Raw Underground, it's over, it's over, it's over, it's over. <laughs> you know, like repeating the same thing over and over again. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Pat McAfee really fucking impressed me, man. Um, I, I was really like, I shook my head going into this. And I was like, what? And I knew it was a setup from the beginning as far as like the setup for the match, as far as, um, you know, the work on Pat McAfee's show 
with Adam Cole pushing him and everything. Um, but yeah, the match stood out. Pat McAfee can work in the ring as far as selling um, and as far as being a showboat um, and showing his athleticism as well. Um, yeah. Man, uh, and this whole crew coming up to war games, that, that's, that's awesome. And it's a it's a really really cool um, crossover interpromotional, you know. Now we're working with a guy that's former NFL, which Vince and Triple H I'm sure are always in love with because Vince probably instilled that in Triple H in a way, you know. Did you did I did I ever tell you the story about the blow up he had? Did you hear about the story he had with the the blow up he had with Michael Cole at WrestleMania? He wore the New cutoff Jersey? shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we I think that's on an archive episode. Yes. It, we, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I forgot to. Yeah, I forgot that we talked about that. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Before I and Pat McAfee has worked his way up though. You know. Yeah. Uh, that goes the show. Um, oh yeah. Uh, all right. Next, I got three more. Moxley okay. versus Eddie Kingston. I quit match. Did not see it. Heard it was a heard it was a, uh, a a pretty badass match. The two guys have history with each other. Um, Kingston's kind of grown on me as a performer, um, you know. Um, but at the same time, there's parts of his act where it's like, you know, when he talks about like this is real, this is real. It's like, like the same know, as Taz. He, we're gonna break yeah. your neck and put your arm, and we're gonna put you out of the business for forever. But no, when he refers to like whatever he's doing as real, it's yeah, like yeah. you're saying that like everything else is fake, you know. True. And you know, as fans, we want to get lost in it, so we don't want to be told that whatever you're doing is real. You're you know the realist, I mean? like, yeah. Everything's supposed to be real that we're watching on the entire presentation. Yeah, just make you know me feel I mean? your intensity instead. Yeah, rather you don't than have to saying, remind, yeah, yeah. So like, but other than that, like you know. I, I, he's kind of grown on me. So the stuff with Moxley, I enjoyed the build up to it. Um, you know, even the other, like it still seems like there's still some underlying issues with him and Mox mm-hmm. because at the end of that impact or the impact end of the AEW show, he got on the headset and was just like, you know, um, he ma- he made reference to what happened with Mox getting screwed, and then he kind of went into his own angle with uh, you know Lance Archer. But there's still some underlying issues there with him and Mox that that, that I'm sure that they'll revisit. But um, yeah, I heard it was a good match. Heard it was fun, hardcore. Both got a history with each other. Um, another match I'll have to check out at some point. Yeah, um, another standout for me is Osprey. Will Ospreay versus Hiromo Takahashi from day one of Wrestle Kingdom at the beginning of the year. This is before all the pandemic hit for New Japan. This is a standout IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match, um, and it's building to the future of these guys. Um, they kind of have faced each other in a fatal four-way at the year before um, and faced each other throughout the years. And now it's time to move up in the card and IWGP, um, you know, junior heavyweight, you know, forget about that. Let's move up to like either tag or the uh, actual heavyweight IWGP heavyweight championship, um, which is it's it's a great storytelling that NJ uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling always does um, as far as moving a guy up in the ranks or up the card in a sports dynamic of uh, wrestling. 
Um, this is a standout match. I suggest you watch this uh, if you can. Um, will Osprey versus Hiromu Takahashi because later in the year both these guys will kind of move up the card and they'll have heavyweight belts and it'll be their transition from there uh, moving on uh, this is kind of their last um, duel as you will as far as uh, goes for um, uh, junior weights you know okay yeah all right yeah haven't watched it but I'll, 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 I'll make the effort to do so and then my last one, another one that you might have not watched, Night 2, uh, Wrestle Kingdom, Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito. This is Naito's final crowning where he beats Okada and has both Wait, wait, belts. wait. I, I think I ordered that off the menu the other night. <laughs> the Hibachi place. I think I ordered that. Thank you. Would that come with the shrimp? Thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it I was. It, it came with tiger hartori sauce. Oh, uh, uh, was it red? Yes, and a Jushin okay. Thunder Liger drink. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, gotcha. yeah, Okada versus Naito. Um, this the double championship for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the Intercontinental Championship. Standout match. A long story told between these guys throughout the last four years, five years, maybe even. Um, just a build up the way New Japan always does their classic storytelling and uh, throughout the match these guys delivered moves that they had been delivered by their rivals throughout the year and countered each other's moves um, and it lasted almost 40 something minutes um, a great match man um, just a standout for me and that is my stocking stuffer my 12 days of matches of the year Interesting, interesting. Well, I, I, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Uh, looks like I got some 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 homework to do with some of those matches I didn't get to watch. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, I, I, I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun uh, yes. recapping. You know the, what's been going on in the comings and goings of wrestling for December, and uh, you know um, as we head into 2021, uh, hopefully uh, you know things will begin to. Uh, get back to some kind of new normal this has been a pleasure as always um you know doing this with you and being a part of the network and yeah it's just been a lot of fun and i i i hope to continue this further on yes thank you very much dave and as always i appreciate the content and uh get a chance to look at those matches everybody else as well do that you can find us on facebook by searching retromania with the w you can find us on any podcasting platform by searching Retromania with a W at the beginning. And then you can write to us at retromaniapodcast at gmail.com. If you have any special request, drop a line in our DM. Dave, where can we find you? And we will get out of here. Thank you very much. Happy end of the year 2020. Here's to Retromania growing in 2021. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, the growth of Retromania. Let's do it in 2021. Uh, the growth, brother. Mm. Yeah, the, let me tell you something, brother. Um, the, the growth of these Retromania pythons, <laughs> dude. Um, yeah, um, Facebook, 
Kicking out at two, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two, K I C K N O U T, and then number two, you can find us on Facebook. You can give us a like. Uh, we got we do watch parties up there, you know, pictures and memes and uh, links to the archive shows up, you know, available on our social media as well as our Twitter. Twitter handles at kicking out two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two on Twitter. Give us a follow over there as well. Uh, looking forward to producing more and more content for Retromania and growing this network as we leave. 2020. Thank you all. Thank you, Kobe, and uh, goodbye and good night. Dig it! <laughs>